Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Dr. Margot Jacques, your mental health business mentor. So glad you're with us today. And I am very glad to have Deanna Shoss of Intercultural Talk, our marketing guru, and our producer and outreach coordinator, Chris Pertel. Hi, Deanna. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hi, Margot. Hey, Margot. What I would like to talk about today is the fact that so many practices have gone from either being a single person operation, taking on new clinicians, or Practices like ours that were already good size have really grown. And how does that change your practice? How does that change what it feels like to work within your practice? What is it like to be a therapist? What is it like to be a practice owner? And so I want us to be talking about how do we help our clinicians and our clients really feel the benefits of these changes? That's what I would like for us to talk about. Today And first of all, one to 10, everybody, how much do you like change? Deanna, how much do you like change? As long as it doesn't impact me personally, no problem. (laughs) Chris, how about you? Love and change? I'm a rare commodity. I tend to like the change. Okay. What do you like about change, Chris? I think I like about always something new and different. Okay. So you like the variety. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So some people really do, but by and large, and there is so much research to support this, people don't like change. They hate it. Right. And I'll tell you, it's one of the hardest things as a practice owner is I hear back from people, well, what is this change going to mean? It's what is this change going to mean to me? That's the key thing right there. That's right. What is this change going to mean to me? Is it how is it going to change what it feels like for me to come to work, for me to be a part of this organization? And we really have to be thinking about that as practice owners. How are people going to feel about it? So I expect I walk into a situation when we're changing things, expecting people are going to think, no, I don't want this. I don't like this because it's all those things we think about. It's the unknown. I can come up with several scenarios where I have approached our team and said, here's something that's going to be different. And there are those who are like you, Chris, who are like, rock on. This is fabulous. I love this idea. This is new and exciting. The preponderance of people are cautious and worried about what it's going to mean. And that's supported by data because data says that 70% of change efforts fail. So that is supported by the fact that a lot of enthusiasm and excitement about change ends up falling flat or it doesn't trickle down where change actually has to happen, which is with all of your frontline people, your entire organization. Exactly. Isn't that stunning that 70% of change efforts fail? I feel like as a therapist, though, where you're working, I feel like there's a, a metaphor here because yeah, right. you because you're agents of change, with, but change right, exactly. You're helping people change how they think, how they grow. So it's fascinating to me that even as a therapy practice that helps people change and live their best lives, that that's still challenging. So what's your theory on that? 
Well, it's, I think it's just human nature, Deanna. It's, it's just human nature, right? Change our brains, and there is data about this too. Our brains, on the one hand, really seek novelty, right? We're curious about novelty. You drive down the street, you see something happening, you're craning your neck. We seek novelty in something that's different. And we seek sameness. So we want repetition. We appreciate knowing what's going to happen next. We like predictability. And it really goes back to our reptilian brain. Change can feel scary. It can activate a fight or flight response. That's no fun, right? Or freeze. Some people get sort of stopped in their tracks like, whoa, what is this going to mean? And they can't move forward. So my job as a practice owner is to communicate to people and to, first of all, to listen to what they have to say, right? So we talked about, and we have talked about historically, how important communication is. Communicate, communicate, communicate. I would say, listen, listen, listen. I need to really hear what people's concerns are on the front end so that I can address them specifically. Does everybody need to know the whole minutia of everything that's happening at all times? I don't think so. That's a lot. There's things that you know, maybe they need to know, maybe they don't. And it's not like, well, these are state secrets, so you don't get to know them. They're not as important. What is important is for me to be able to listen to what they need to know. Are we no longer going to be close? Are we always going to have new people popping into meetings? Are we going to have so many people that we can't get together at a restaurant to be able to have a meal, right? It's things like that that matter to people. And it's things like, what is my role here? Is it going to be watered down because there's more staff? And if, if people are feeling that way, then I need to address that. And that's where I think transparency is key. And it's interesting when you say listen, because what what you as a practice owner might think, okay, here's what people need to know for this change to happen. But what you think people need to know may be operationally based, whereas going back to what you said originally about this idea of what does it mean to me, sometimes that transparency is important so that people build trust. And there's also a lesson from public relations, which is if it's right the first time, it's right the 10th time. We tell people that if you're doing a media interview, that is also true when you're managing change because people may continue to ask the same question and you may think I got to go deeper. I got to explain more. It could actually be reassuring to just have that repetition of messaging with that transparency to build trust. Well, yeah. And if if you're really listening to your team and let's say, so we had a change in our payroll system. We have a payroll company that does our payroll. And when we announced the change, and I'm always so curious what people are going to say, we got lots of comments from from a few people. Some folks are like, great, do I still get my paycheck? Because again, it's what does it matter to me? Will I get my paycheck? Yes. Can I see my income? Can I see my statements about what has been paid out this month? And what insurance? Yes, 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 and yes. None of that will change. So I try to lead with that. And if I've been listening over time, folks, I think this is really the point. I can say, okay, great. We're moving from this payroll company to this payroll company. And guess what? This is how it's going to be different. It's going to look a little different in this way. You'll still be able to get all the functionality and even more. Now, did they need to know all the data points about why we, what's the pricing and why we made that decision? And No, I need to be addressing what I think 
is going to be their concern. And then I need to ask them, is there anything else you want to know? The other thing is always letting people know why it benefits them. It's so funny. I I know when I'm being fooled by marketers as a marketer. I know when I'm being fooled by marketers, like, like to better serve you, we're doing this. However, when you're making these decisions, there are reasons that it might be better and more efficient for you as the organization, but to be able to position it to your team to say, we're doing this for you. Here's how it will be better for you, or here's how it will have no impact for you. But it's, it's the messaging almost always really actually needs to be about the person because it addresses that, like you said, the reptilian brain of what does this mean to me? What's happening? And so approaching it from that messaging is what makes sense. You don't need to do all the data points and what that means for efficiency on your end. It really is, here's why we're doing it. Here's how the data is. Here's how we're preparing. And here's why this will benefit you. Right. And it'll benefit different people differently. If somebody is a part of our intake team, or if somebody is a part of our onboarding team, well, knowing that our new payroll system has a whole onboarding function is way more important to them than the person who's just worried is their paycheck still going to get there on time. So the point being, when you're dealing with people around change, listen, 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 and communicate what they need to hear and take that lead from them. What are they wanting to know? And trust that, yes, people will get through change. Your job as a practice owner, and again, if you, like us, have been growing during the pandemic, if you have taken on new staff, things are going to be different. Meetings are going to feel different. You're going to have different personalities. You're going to have different needs from your staff. How do you communicate to people that their opinions still matter? One of the things that came up with us was some folks were concerned in our team meetings or talking about cases that this was going to feel very different, that they were going to be strangers for lack of a better word. And they were talking about a case that's really vulnerable. When you're talking about your clinical work, it can feel very vulnerable. There has to be trust. So I listened to that and I took part of what we might have historically folded in. Some of the folks who would have just folded into our regular team meeting and gave them a different meeting to attend because I wanted to value, I wanted to respect that need for people to feel like this is still an intimate enough environment. So it's things like that. We have also developed teams within our practice based on clinical expertise, clinical interest. Anybody can belong to a team if they want or not, but it's another opportunity in a larger practice for people to have a place where they can go, a team that's just theirs. So there's lots of those kinds of opportunities. How did I come up with that? Well, I listened to the concerns of the people on our team. Mm. That cliche, the only constant is is change, is so true. And for any practice, just because of what's going on in the world, there has been change. Change is forced upon you, and then there's proactive change. What I'm seeing with how you've managed the growth in the practice is a little bit of each. The world changed, and so you had to respond and grow. But this idea of listening people wanting to be connected, your teams based around, let's say, the the queer team or the relationship and family team, where clinicians can come together around topics that are their areas of expertise. That was the idea of this change was conscientious and planned for growth. Now, 
my my staff has let me know or clinicians have let me know an issue they're feeling. And so you're proactively planning change in response to the response to the change. Right. You know, and it's constant. Exactly. And knowing, really knowing deeply that people do not like change, except Chris. Chris likes change. So, but the average, not that you're abnormal, Chris, you know, I don't think that about you, but that you're not typical in that way. So yes, and just trusting folks, when you're going in and you are affecting change in your practice, trust, know that people are going to struggle with that. And that's okay. Anticipate it. That's really not unusual. The other thing, Margot, a little bit ago, we spoke about culture and how you manifest culture within your organization. What seems important here as things are changing is to continue to reiterate those messages of what doesn't change. Your culture doesn't change. And how do you manifest that? How do you help people feel part of that new culture? And just to reassure people, there's certain things that won't change. We're not going to change being focused on bringing your full self to the to the practice. We're not going to change on, on, I know you've spoken about getting together for meals or somehow, whatever that looks like, still having that personal connection because that's part of the culture of your organization. It sure is. And you know, I, I had two flashes while you were talking about that. We were a small group of us during covid in the dead of winter, we're huddled around one of our staff members' fire pit in their backyard, bundled up, shivering, because it was important enough for us to get together. So, And then another time, we had about 25 people at a picnic getting eaten up by biting flies. But we endure because, you know, it's important. We want we, You were there for that one. You want, you want to be there. It's about the love. It's the love. We're connected and we care for each other. We want to check in on each other. That's That's an important part of your culture. And and you just do it new ways. That's right. And the truth of the matter is there are certain parts of the culture, the tenets of the culture, the the intention of the culture will remain the same. But the feel of it is it's going to be different because we'll have different personalities We'll have different people, and that all informs what the culture will be like. But it's my job to keep trying to hold on to those basic tenets. Be your whole self. Bring yourself, your whole self here. Who you are, your quality of life matters to me. I want to make sure that you, your health, your family comes first. That's more important than anything else that you're doing for me or for the practice. Those things are important. And yes, that we will continue to get together if that works for you. You get to have autonomy and make choice. And I think, Margo, you just gave your opening remarks for every meeting that you have where you talk about changes that are coming is that statement that you just said, no matter what, I care about you. You bring your full self to the practice. Your well-being is what's most important. Now we're changing our payroll system. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Let me just remind you of the things that are not going to change. Those commitments are not going to change, but yes, a new payroll system and, and, and we will be adding people or whatever, you know? Yes, that's a good way to say it. So I think bottom line, Deanna, the things that I want people to think about, one is expect that change A is going to happen and that B people are going to struggle with it. It's not personal. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong as a practice owner if people are struggling. You need to listen, listen, listen to what 
folks say to you and you need to remind them that those basic tenets are still really important. Those values are still there. That culture will remain even when things change. So those are three things that I would love for you folks to take with you today. So Deanna Shaw of Intercultural Talk, our marketing guru. Thank you, Chris Pertell, our outreach coordinator and our producer of our podcast. Thank you so much for your help today. I'm Dr. Margot Jacot, your mental health business mentor. Be well. We'll look forward to being with you next time. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jacot. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.